You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. So here's what Lacrosse has recently done. They've taken their 100 plus years of experience to create a new line of lace-up hunting boots called the Navigator Series. Now the Navigator Series comes in two options, the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. Now if you want to find out more about their high-quality awesome boots, you need to go to lacrossefootwear.com. All right, everybody. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. My name is Dan Johnson. I am your host. You already know that. But today's podcast has got me fired up. Woo! Fired up for this upcoming season because uh, we're going to be talking with Ben Brindley of Oklahoma, and he's going to walk us through a successful season that he had last year and kind of ease us in to what he's got going on for this upcoming season. And man, we've talked to these guys from Oklahoma before, and they're laying down some absolute giants. All right, the cat is out of the bag. Oklahoma is not a sleeper state anymore. It's a big buck state. And uh, Ben kind of walks us through where he hunts, how he hunts, the encounters that he had, a three-year story with a buck that he shot uh, last year that went somewhere in the high 160s, and then a gigantic eight-pointer that he's after here in 2019. And and, uh, just a whole bunch of a really good conversation. It is a BS Session Hunter Profile podcast. And uh, just like we always do, man, we dig in deep. We ask the right questions. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Now, before we get into this podcast, I want to do some housekeeping up front. Uh, we got to do a commercial, right? We got to go to Ozonics. Um, it, I, I, I used my Ozonics last night. My neighbor was cooking a pork butt. And they put the pork butt in a cooler uh, with all the marinade, and she washed it out like two or three times. And she was she was uh, complaining to me that she couldn't get the scent out of this cooler. So I went, I grabbed Nozonics, put it in the cooler, uh, shut the lid, opened up the, the the water, I don't know, the water vent in the bottom of it, turned it on, let it run for uh, about an hour, and the scent, the smell went away. And that is exactly what an Ozonics does to your clothing when you run it in the dry wash bag and what it does to your scent when you run it in the tree, right? It dissipates the odor or it takes a a concentrated odor and it reduces it down to where the deer is like, man, what is that? It's not human. It's not a threat. 
Uh, and that is exactly what Ozonix does. And that is why I have been using an Ozonix for a long time. But like they always say, don't take my word for it. You need to go to their website and you need to do your own research. Talk with some other friends who have used it. Um, you know, look at reviews, right? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a piece that you got a budget for. But I'm telling you right now, you will see results. Um, I know I have over the years. Uh, I'm fired up right now. So I know this sounds a little bit more like a commercial. But if, this is a testimonial. Man, this is, this is a product that I can confidently say that no matter what happens, I'm using it. Like I'm going to use it uh, a lot and uh, I love the product, blah, 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 blah. Go to the Ozonics website, right? And what they're doing is if you purchase an HR 300 or an HR 230, and I think this also goes with their new one that they've just come out with, the Orion if you purchase one of those three products, right, the HR300, the HR230, or the new Orion, then you can use the discount code NFC18, NFC18, and you're going to be able to get a free dry wash bag with your purchase. That's a pretty good deal right there. So I think the dry wash bag's like a hundred bucks. So you're getting a hundred dollars of free gear when you order the HR three hundred or the HR two thirty or the the newer model as well. So uh, take that into into consideration. Um, lastly, make sure you are subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles. Make sure you are following the Nine Finger Chronicles on Facebook and Instagram. We're going to be doing some giveaways here pretty soon. Uh, and the giveaway includes a Prime Bow in Ozonix. It's going to be one of the older units, like an HR300 or the HR230. But it's uh, it's going to be an Ozonix unit and uh, a Ripcord Arrowrest and some broadheads from wasp so that package right there is like worth two grand something like that uh, maybe 1500 but it's a great way to kick off a season uh stay tuned on social media and stay tuned on the podcast and you're going to find out more how you can uh, get registered to win and how to win and all that good stuff so other than that hopefully everybody is fired up for this podcast, fired up for the season like I am. Let's don't waste. Let's don't waste. My grammar has gone out the window. Let's just get into it. Podcast. Mr. Ben Brinley, how are you, man? I'm good, Dan. How are you? Oh, I can't complain, man. I'm starting to get that itch. Yes, sir. It's getting close. It'll be here before we know it. Oh, man. I live... I leave, what, in like two and a half weeks for Colorado for my elk hunt. And, uh, just, I don't know, man, I, I don't know if I'm ready, uh, as far as I just, do you got kids, man? I've got one daughter. You got one daughter. Okay. So you, you know what it's like. Uh, it's just, you're you're trying to pack everything (laughs) that you want to do and be a family man at the same time. It's just, it's, it's just, how old's your daughter? She's eight. Eight. So she's starting to get into all the activities then. Absolutely. Gymnastics and basketball and all that stuff. Oh, man. So so it's almost like hunting is – not that it wants to, but it's it's almost forced to take a back seat at, at certain times in life. Right. 
Right. Yeah, and you kind of get that guilt when you do. When it doesn't, you almost get that guilty feeling sometimes, or I do. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough because it's a passion, right? And it, it's a Correct. passion of ours. It's part of who we are. But at the same time, it's like family still outweighs hunting. You know what I mean? Very much. And, yeah. oh, man, I had I struggled with that last year as well where I'm sitting in the tree stand and, you know, maybe I've been gone two or three days and my wife is like, when will you be home? She knows when I'm going to be home, but she's, she's deep. It's that little hint. Maybe hurry up a little. Yeah. She's, uh, (laughs) she's the stay at home mom now, right? Or she's the, the single parent at this point during the hunt, the fall widow. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And I don't know, man. And whenever I get those or I get my, daughter on the phone or my son hey daddy where are you at when are you coming home i do i, I do feel guilty a little bit absolutely absolutely so well and then it sticks in the back of your mind the whole time you know right or it does me yeah. it, you know i don't ever I've, i don't ever want to put anything else off now when it comes to everything else i have no problem i'll put anything off i'll right. avoid weddings whatever but with her <laughs> not that way so your boys they know not to get married in november Absolutely. I've got a cousin getting married October 24th this year. Yeah. And she told me the date. And I said, well, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and she just kept on and on. I said, well, I'm sorry. But anything between October and January, unless it's for my daughter, count me out. Yeah. Well, that takes some balls to say that because uh, um, I tried to talk my – he got married on November 7th. Like literally the best time to be a bow hunter in <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. And I had to take two days, two and a half days off, driving up, having the wedding, driving back, and uh, man, right in the middle. And I remember checking my trail camera pictures as soon as I got back, uh, you know, back into the tree stand and just seeing all these daylight big bucks walking through like, oh my God, I should have been in the tree stand. Did it eat you alive the whole time you were at the wedding? Uh, yeah, well, after about, you know, after some drinks, I kind of calmed down, you know. But, <laughs> right. But it was one of those things where you're just like, oh, God damn, it's November 7th, and I'm at a wedding. I need to be in a tree stand, right? So Right. I don't. Is he not a hunter? To no, schedule my, it on? my brother doesn't hunt. Oh, okay. My dad doesn't hunt, right? So I'm, and my step, my stepdad does, uh, but like. My fam, my stepbrothers hunt, but like uh-huh. nobody else really in my family hunts. That's kind of a funny coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. My uh, biological father, yeah, you know, he never did take me hunting or anything or have anything to do with it. And my stepbrother and stepdads who got me into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. Well, Ben, where are you from, and what do you do for a living? I'm from the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, and I am an equipment operator at Yoakum Trucking. Okay, Tulsa. That's kind of like South Central Oklahoma? Northeast. Northeast, okay. All right. I don't yes, know sir. my geography very well. So, Northeast Oklahoma, um, and you are you work for a trucking company, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So, uh, what do you do? Like what? I what? operate uh, traco, bulldozers, just any kind of heavy equipment. Gotcha. Are you like making terraces and ponds and roads and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, ponds, house pads, just uh, building pads, anything like that. Gotcha. Okay, cool, man. So you're, uh, you're, in, uh, you're in heavy machinery quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. 
the podcast all day long. Pretty much. <laughs> Lots of podcasts. I'm very familiar with you and Mark's voices yeah. anyway. Right, right. So Oklahoma, okay, I'll be completely honest with you. I want to hunt that state, and I want to hunt out on the western part of it. Uh, I kind of had a it's buddy. Great. I had a buddy. He he uh, went out there and hunted some public land out there, and, and he had – he said he was surprised by the number of mature deer he saw out in the in the panhandle par- portion of the state. What's uh, why don't you break down the state for us? Talk to us a little bit about you know from from what you know. What are some of the the I guess because Oklahoma what was it last year or two years ago had the most two hundred inch deer killed out of any state that were recorded. I, be, I believe it ended up being 24 or 20. It was in the 20s. Right. I, I believe you're right. Last year. Last year. Right. And that yeah, blows sir. me away that Oklahoma beats out a state like Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, some of these other states that have property owners who are t- literally managing thousands of, thousands of acres to get big antlers. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, a yes, state, sir. a state like o- Oklahoma kind of blows it out of the water. Um, are there is Oklahoma kind of all the same, or are there are there different terrain features throughout oh, different no, parts of the state? Oh no, there's different terrains. Like you know, you were talking about out in the Panhandle. That's kind of prairie and real, not really flat, but for the most part flat. And there's some ag and stuff out. It's really sparsely populated as well. And in central Oklahoma, it's more just you know, it's got timber and uh, still pretty flat. But once you get in the northeast part of the state. It gets rolling hills and a lot of timber, and there's a bunch of ag as well. Right. So let's see. You guys border Arkansas? Yes, Arkansas on the east, and then obviously Kansas and Texas on the other sides. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and you hunt in the northeast. Now, rolling hills, are, are we talking like part of the Ozark Mountain Ranges type type stuff? No, I wouldn't. Not that I say, I mean, a lot of it is still flat, but it's just there's more hills than you know out west. Gotcha. And, and just a bunch of just, I'm trying to think how to explain it. Something you would is there compare. is there ag in that part of the yes, state? Lots of soybeans, corn. Okay. Stuff like that. So like big drainages, river bottoms, that kind of stuff. Yes, lots of river bottoms. The main property I hunt on is in a river bottom. Okay, cool. So yeah, that that kind of describes what. I guess what I hunt as well, it's ag land with big drainages, river bottoms, all that good stuff. Now, creek systems and stuff like that. Yeah, creek systems. Now, let's see here. Walk us through, now let's break it down even more. Is there a coveted place in Oklahoma that, you know, like southern Iowa, everybody wants to hunt southern Iowa. Is there a part of Oklahoma that everybody wants to hunt or where all the big bucks come out of? Well, it used to be everybody always talked, you know, it was the hot thing to have the lease out west where you were talking about. Yeah. But here in the last few years, it just, I mean, honestly, it's gotten where it's it's pretty good all across the state. Gotcha. Okay. In my experience anyway. Right. Why do you think Oklahoma has kind of blown up as far as a whitetail state? Because they didn't even used to be on the radar when you would hear people talk about them back in the day. Honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with people just got a little more educated on what to, to harvest and what not to. Right. 
and then you know the wildlife department. I'm sure you know they do a lot of work on conservation and stuff like that. Gotcha. What is the what can the resident hunt there? What are I mean? Are you allowed to take one with a bow, one with a gun? What what are your bag limits? You can take uh, two bucks. It's a two buck state. You can take one, two with a bow, or you can take one with a bow and one with either primitive firearm or a rifle. Okay. So primitive firearm meaning like muzzle loader. Muzzle loader, yes, sir. Okay. Now, are you guys a crossbow state? Yes. Okay, so you can use a crossbow. Are you guys a baiting state? Yes, sir. Okay, so you can use a crossbow or a bow or a gun. You can bait. Um, let's see. Any anything else about that's interesting about the state of Oklahoma as far as the deer herd or. I don't know, something like myself who I'm not familiar with it might might find interesting. Oh, really just kind of what we were discussing before. You can, you know, there's probably four to five different types of terrain that you can hunt totally different all across the state. Right. You know, just kind of what you prefer. Gotcha. So you can hunt the tree stands and you can do a little spot and stock out west. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. How far into the state until the mule deer start? They're out west. Okay. It'd be out by... Oh, goodness. You know, I've never really went after them, so I can't say for sure, but just from what I hear out by Woodward, out, you know, in the Panhandle in western Oklahoma. Gotcha. Which okay. would be, for me, probably five, six-hour drive, yeah. four to six-hour drive. So is that a specific tag for you guys, or is it like you can use a whitetail and a mule deer on the same tag? You know, I'd have to look at the, I've never really even – entertain going on the mule deer hunt so right. i i really couldn't tell you i don't think and i could be wrong there could be a bunch of guys calling me an idiot when i say this but i don't think there's a whole lot of guys that hunt them you know in oklahoma not gotcha. that i know of not from my area anyway gotcha okay all right so let's let's talk about your your property that you hunt um you mentioned it's river bottom ground right so it's a mix of ag and whatnot how many acres do you have access to well the the piece that my family owns that I hunt on is just a 30, it's a 30 acre piece. Okay. But I've got a really good neighbor to the south or to the north of me. He lets me hunt his and I think he's got 280, I believe. Okay. And then on the backside, there's a big company that owns a bunch of land that backs up to our north fence line. That's just corporate. They do corporate hunts. So they're never in there, which I don't hunt that, but it kind of creates a buffer between, you know, other people and, and our property. Right, so you may not be able to hunt it, but it's it's pretty low pressure, and it allows deer in your area to get old. Absolutely, yes, okay. sir. Cool, man, that's awesome. So are you primarily a bow hunter, a gun hunter, or do you do a little bit of both? Well, I started off when I was 12, just a gun hunt, when, you know, the family, the typical family deer camp deal. That's how I got into it. Right. And then I think I got my first bow when I was 14, and I started attempting to bow hunt for, oh, man, all the way from then through my mid-20s, but it was kind of a shit show, to be honest <laughs> with you. It always is, though, right? Right. <laughs> right. Man, when I, first, when I first picked up my bow, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> That's exactly how I was. I didn't know anything about wind. Right. I mean, I, I mean, just completely ignorant for the most part. And right. Hell, I missed the same doe at 10 yards, I think, three times. <laughs> I mean, it was pitiful, man. So, so 
you were pretty much a rookie from the first time oh, yeah. you picked up a bow until your mid twenties. What made you get serious about bow hunting then? I think I just finally got to that age where all the all the partying and all that kind of settled down, and I needed something to focus on, and that's kind of where it ended up being. And I started just consuming podcasts and articles, and you think I could read. I'm kind of the type of guy, whatever I get into, I get really, really obsessed with. Yeah. And uh, that's just kind of yeah. how it went. Yeah. I hear that, man. I got a, I got a fly, fly rod, and I got some flies in front of me. And I want to start doing a little bit more fly fishing, but I have friends that are telling me, don't even do it. Don't even start because <laughs> you cannot do hardcore bow hunting and be a hardcore fly fisherman at the same time because right. your wife is just going to straight up pack up and go. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I don't know much about fly fishing, but it seems like the people that are into it are definitely, they're all the way in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm afraid to get into it, right? So, all right. So, this uh, this property that you hunt, why don't you break it down or whatever you have access to is it a, is it big timber? Is it ag? Um, I, you know, it's a river bottom property, but like break it down for us a little bit further. Well, the piece that, you know, that my family owns that I hunt on mainly is, you know, it used to be just all timber. Right. And the main area I hunt, they cleared out, um, all probably 10 years ago to drill some oil wells. Okay. So it opened it up quite a bit, but it was a dry hole. So they, it's grown back up. So it's almost like a CRP surrounded by timber. Okay. And then the rest of it, the other guy's property is mostly like cattle field and timber. And then it backs up to the river where there's just tons of soybean fields, you know, all the sections around me. Gotcha. So my, where I hunt almost sets like a centerpiece in the middle of a bunch of ag. Gotcha. With, you know, a timber stand. Right. So within that timber stand, do you mentioned pasture, it, does he have active cattle on his property? The neighbor does, yes, sir. The neighbor not does. On, not on the property that I mainly hunt, no. My okay. uncle, he'll graze it in the spring, but he moves them out gotcha. during deer season. Okay. So the 30 that you have access to and then uh, the two, whatever, 280 that uh, your neighbor lets you hunt, um, how do the deer use that property? Are they? Because uh, it sounds like you got ag all around you. And the the timber stand in that piece of property almost acts like a sponge, if I had to guess. Correct. Right? So yeah. it gives the cover. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, yes, let's see. So how are the deer using it throughout the year? Are they in there all year round? Are they coming and going? What's the deal? Well, I've got several, you know, doe groups that are they're here year round. But as far as bucks, and especially bucks that you would – want to go after i never get any pictures or see any of them until they cut the beans you know which is usually mid to late october and then they'll move into this property so the bucks on the property let's say right now there's not a lot of bucks i could probably i don't ever put my cameras out till probably late september because i just get thousands of pictures of does really and probably not maybe one or two buck pictures and they're usually a basket rack right that's crazy because my farm is the opposite. It holds all the big deer. I get fired up. You know, I'm flipping through trail camera pictures. And then the switch happens. And 
majority of the bucks go away from my farm and it sounds like you're the opposite. So they, Absolutely. they harvest the beans and then the bucks show up. Mm-hmm. I used to get so stressed out cause I wouldn't get any pictures. I'm like, man, where'd they go? I don't have anything to go after this year. I might find somewhere else, you know, and then usually about that mm, mid-October, they'll start rolling in. I'll get a picture of one, and then they'll all show up within two or three days of each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it uh, what's the quality of the deer that kind of are in your area? I mean, you know, Iowa, everybody talks about a four-year-old. You know, states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, you know, we have a lower age class that, you know, a three-year-old that people talk about, you know, 130 class racks, whatever. What's the, what's the caliber of, a, of what you would consider a good deer in that part of Oklahoma? Oh, I would say a four and a half to five-year-old anymore. You know, used to when I was younger, it was, everybody was kind of just shooting anything they saw, it seemed like. But here lately, it, it sure seems like there's a lot better age structure, you know, within the last five to ten years. Okay. Now, is that, would you say that's just on your farm, or could you go down the road a ways and, and talk to another hunter and they'd say the same thing? No, I think that's, that's pretty much for most of the state, it seems like. Okay. So four-year-old is the key or is the target? I would, yes, sir. For most of us, I would believe so. Okay. All right. Uh, and then as far as a, a rack is concerned, what's a, what's a, I guess, a good representation I'd say when the four-year-olds, one thir- I see 130s to 170s online pretty common during the season. Right. You know, like on Facebook and stuff like that. Right. What about on your farm? What shows up on your farm? Well, I killed, I'm going to say, I hate to get in the inches because then everybody starts giving you shit about it. But right, right. I just green scored one, the bigger one that I shot last year, and I had him at 169. He was 11 point. Okay. So he was 160. You know, I may be off by 10 inches, but that's just what I had. Right. So 160. Let's say, he's, let's just say you really suck at it and he's 159 or he's 160 as an 11 pointer, right? Right. That's still a great deer. And what, what, uh, what was his age? Uh, four and a half, five, I guess. I've had three years of pictures of him and I think he was at least a two year old the first year I had him. Okay. All, all on that same property, right? Yeah, all the – I killed a pretty nice eight that was like 138, 140 in 2017. And then last year I killed, a, I think, a 139 and then that deer. Okay. All on probably within 100 yards of each other. Okay. All right. So let's uh, – I want to I wanna know a little bit more about this 169-inch uh, buck that you uh, – 160 class, whatever, uh, buck that you shot. You said you had two years of history with him? Yes, sir. Okay. So um, you said you you don't put your trail cameras up until, uh, what, late September? Usually, yeah, mid-September, late September. Okay. Uh Now, when did this buck show up? Oh, it'd be around that mid-October mark. Three okay. years ago. All right, so three years ago, just like they always do, right? You, they combine yes, and they show up. Um, yep. What was uh, was he always an eleven pointer two years like two years ago? Or describe no, his rock at was, that point. Uh, he was a mainframe ten, but he he always had a split G two, so that's okay. how I could always always recognize him. Same side and every he year. Always, yes, sir. Okay. 
and he would run with a uh, oh, there's a little buck. I call him high and tight just because he's he's got a lot of mass, but he's real narrow and tall. But they always would run together before they split up, so I could always, you know, identify those two. Okay, so what so he had a split g2 he was a mainframe 10 how big was he and i'm taking it he was a two-year-old at that age yeah the first time yes sir okay he i was, believe so so he was two-year-old mainframe 10 with a split g2 mm-hmm. making him 11 points correct back even so he he had the same rack for all three years that you that you knew about him just yeah like, it was stayed very similar he just added mass and time length gotcha okay so what was this what was this buck doing as as a two-year-old on your farm what was his route when he when he showed up what were these bucks doing they just come they usually come in it seems like once they cut those beans the main area i hunt is kind of a big saddle like a travel corridor right and it's got a lot of uh, white oaks really good acorns in there so it seems like they start off on a feeding pattern coming there for that reason and then as we kind of go into the rut they'll hit them different doe groups and chase them that's i mean that's usually how i have to hunt them because otherwise it's hard for me to pattern them off 30 acres you know right right so how often do you hop on that other uh farm that borders you oh i usually wait till the rut and i'll get down there three to four times a year i try not to wear out my welcome i got you are there other hunters on that farm no, I just, I don't know. I, I almost, we were talking about that guilty feeling earlier, and I just, sometimes I get down there, I'm like, man, I've got, I hate to just, I know he doesn't care, but I still get to feel a little guilty. You know, and I've got a place to hunt, Yeah. and he's nice enough to let me. I just don't want to burn it up. i got to go right by his house to get there, so. Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's tough. Um, do you have a, you know, do you have a good relationship with the landowner? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's been a family friend for probably thirty years. Huh? Man, that's crazy. I man, come the rut, uh, the farm that I hunt, I have permission on. I'm going through that gate, you know, 10, 10, 12, 13, 14, however long it takes, many days in a row to get the job done. And well, uh, I'm hunting for sure. It's yeah. just you know, and it, if I got to where I wasn't having encounters on the the main piece I hunt, yeah, that's right. I would definitely go a little more, but. I haven't got to that point yet where it's, you know, I've gotten that bad of a drought where you don't really need to. Right. Right. Okay. I gotcha. All right. So back at that, um, these are, are these bucks once they come in, are they betting on that 30 acres? I am. I, well, I remember I said there was that piece, that kind of buffer piece on the North side of me. Right. They bet in there and then they kind of, they come through that saddle on the 30 and they kind of feed through there and filter down to the neighbor's piece. Okay. So you're you're just a big X, right? They're coming through you at some point. Right. As far as the yep. terrain feature. Man, I love I love the sound of that. Yep. Uh, I got Yeah, it. as far as having a 30, it's set up as good as you could possibly want. Because, right. I mean, there's a steep, not a ridge, but there's a real steep hill on both sides, and it almost just funnels them through that piece. Right. I got a, I got a 40... Uh, wait, what is it? It's a 45 acre piece that I hunt every year and it's 45 acres. And you hear people say this term, it hunts big or it hunts small, right? And 
what I take away from that is the amount of different tree stand locations you can get out of whatever acreage, right? So if you have a a hundred acres and you only have five acres of timber on it, uh, so it probably, it's a hundred acres, but it hunts small. What does this 30 acres hunt like? It hunts pretty big for a 30. It's that, that main kind of CRP I was talking about is the only open area. And then it's, it's super thick on the north side and then, it's got pretty good timber all the way around the rest of it. And talking about stand locations, my uncle, you know, he drives through there in the spring and stuff, checking cows, and he always gives me a shit about how many stands I'm going to try to cram in that piece. <laughs> <laughs> I said, hey, man. man, I'm a fat boy, and I don't want to set them up during the season, so I want to have a lot of options. <laughs> That's right. Hey, man, I have a pinch point that I hunt, and by the end of the year, I'm going to have three tree stands within 30 yards of each other mm-hmm. so you know for every wind whatever main wind yeah. direction i'm gonna have a, a a stand to go into so absolutely hey man don't listen to him <laughs> <laughs> right so uh, he just likes to give me hell about everything he can <laughs> that's right so it hunts big for a 30 uh how many tree stands do you think you're by the end of this summer or whatever you're gonna have on it i just finished up with you know, plots and stands and everything. And I think I've got, I got four blinds. I hunt off the ground a bunch. I have a ground blind. And um, I think I've got three hang-ons, so seven, and then a ladder. So I got eight total on that 30-acre piece. So uh, eight total locations, that includes stands and blinds? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. So then this buck, right, he comes mm-hmm. through um, – are these deer funneling through your property the same way every single time, like from north to south in the evenings, from south to uh, north in the mornings, something like something like that? No, they uh, they seem they come from both directions. To be honest with you, I don't know if it's a wind direction deal or, or what, but I've had them come, you know, from the east coming west and vice versa, or coming from straight north to south. Gotcha. I think it just depends on where they're coming from that day, to be honest with you. Right, right. And it's almost yeah, like... I kind of keep a log. I started keeping a log of, uh, I think, three years ago. Like, every time I'd get a, a daytime picture or I'd have a, a day sighting, I, you know, wind direction and so-and-so, you know, pressure, everything I could think of. Right. And it, uh, I don't know about before the rut, but it definitely seems like when they're running for does, they'll hit that downwind side of the bedding area for sure. Okay. So then, with that said, does did, did that buck stick to a routine? Because it's almost like, you know, you have an early season pattern. And then when there's a huge change, like the crops come out, they're coming into the pre-rut, which kind of throws them off any standard pattern that they were on. And they're not going to go back into uh, a standard pattern because I don't know the you know it's getting close to breeding season and as we all know the closer it gets to that apex breeding time then the longer deer are on their feet in a day right yeah it definitely seems like once they get to me they're more into that they're still on a little bit of a feed schedule but they're more more kind of uh what's the word I'm looking for um, like a routine 
or they're they're kind of chaotic kinda in, the in the middle to be honest with you dan i mean you'll you'll they'll come in there and feed but then they'll be running around all over the place looking for does or bumping does you know right if it, it's honestly it's kind of day by day right i've had one the the nine point i told you about last year and he did get on a pattern i saw him two days in a row and then i made a move and i actually told my buddy just joking around be around and help me drag him out tonight and uh you know I wouldn't have thought it would have come together, but it actually did, and I got him killed because he did the same thing. But he's the only one I've had that's been on a steady pattern like that. Gotcha. Man, that's crazy. All right, so this 11-pointer, he, uh, as a two-year-old, cruising the property. Did you have any encounters with him that year? Not the year that I actually got him. I just got him on – usually I'll start getting them on camera, and they'll start off middle of the night, and then they'll just kind of – the farther we get into November, they'll kind of push it and push it and push it. It seems like they just spend a little more time closer to daylight. And then once I start getting, you know, a picture where I can get in there and kill him, I'll usually go in and, and try to get him. Gotcha. So um, he wasn't a shooter, though, when he was a two-year-old, right? No, sir. No. So no, Not unless I was still in my 20s and I don't shot <laughs> him. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, what, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, three years ago when you first laid eyes on this deer – um, did he do the same thing every, every single year that you knew about him? Yeah. He, him and that, that little tall buck that I was telling you about, they would always come in about the same time and, and you know, start hitting in white oaks and, and stuff like that. And usually about the same time every year, gotcha. but I never did really have a encounter with them, you know, me out there until when I actually got a shot at him. Okay. Um, what about shed hunting? Like late season, these deer start to shed. Are they shedding on your property? Man, I'm sure if I, like the neighbor's property, if I knew what the hell I was doing when it comes to shed hunting, I could probably find some. But I've tried, and I just I have no luck at that. Okay. I don't know if I'm not patient enough or, or what. Right, right. Yeah, there's days where you just you can walk forever and not find them. And, you know, obviously you gotta have you got to have food and be where they're you at. You know, and I... I found a couple little, you know, just little scrubby sheds and stuff, but, and, uh, I, I may be going too early because it seems like every time I go, I usually go late February, early March, but then I'll, somebody will put a picture of one that's still holding. So that, you know, right. Right. My you, timing may just be off. You may have a pile of sheds on your property and you don't even know about them or, or the it's squirrels are getting a workout. <laughs> exactly. All right. So as a two year old, uh, Basically, you identified him on trail camera. Did he do the same thing uh, the next year as a three-year-old? Come in October, stick around a while, and yep, about pretty much that same same routine. The, all three years, I had him on camera. Right? Did you recognize him right away and say, "Oh, this is that"? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I usually try to keep. I'll kind of put them in an album on my phone, and then every that way I can just keep all the pictures of each buck in an album, and that helps me identify them. Gotcha. And then, uh, let's see. So what did he do from a two-year-old to a three-year-old as far as inches at were concerned? Oh, man. I bet he was probably 115 to 120 as a two. And then he ended up, you know, being, I would just say, in the 150, from 150 to 160 when I killed him. But did you kill him as a three-year-old? No, 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 no. Right. No. So what did he do from his two-year-old to his three-year-old? Oh, I apologize. I didn't, I oh, didn't hear good. that part. Uh, he probably went, uh, 
He was probably 130 class as a three. Okay. So from a three to a four, he, he blew up. He did. Okay. Yes. All right. So what did this buck do different as a four-year-old now um, that gave you – so what what put him on the hit list? Was it the fact that he was a four-year-old? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. So then you uh, – did he do anything different that year that made him killable as, uh, you know, compared to the two previous years? I think the only – I don't think he did. I think I was just – the year before, I tagged out a little early, so I wasn't – it seems like them big boys start showing up in the daylight around my place from oh, that week before Thanksgiving through Thanksgiving, and I tagged out before that, so I wasn't really – you know, I kind of lost a little motivation. So I think – because I did have some daylight pictures of him that year. I just wasn't in the stand when he come through. Right. And then this the last year I just held out until I did get a shot at him. I was waiting on him or that that real giant eight that I sent the picture of to. Right. And so you had this buck and you had a really big eight pointer. Well, he's not an eight pointer, right? He's like he's he's a mainframe eight with a couple was that a drop off one side? Yeah, he's got a drop and a kicker this or last year. The year before he was just a plain big old giant eight. Okay. All right, so you that buck was on your hit list as well. Oh, absolutely! Okay. I just never have got to see him when I had a tag in my pocket. That's right. Okay, so then this buck. Why don't you walk us through? Uh, you know, now he's a four year old. It's last. It's this last hunting season. Why don't you walk us through the day you actually had the encounter where you killed him? Why did you decide okay. to sit in the stand that you sat in and kind of what happened when you first saw him coming your way? Okay. Well, that, uh, as far as where I was at, there's on the, even on that little property, there's like three different doe groups. And it seems like year to year, they almost, one of those does in each group kind of somewhat comes into, into cycle within a few days of when it did the year before. I kind of keep a log of that, too. And um, there was a little buck that was bumping one of those does around in that area the day before. So I right. said, man, I'm going to go back down there. And um, that's why I was in that stand that day. And um, let's see. As far as the story about when I killed him, I got out a little bit late. So it was kind of in between... It was still dark, but you could see a little bit. And I was about halfway to that blind, and there's an open field to the it'd be to the east of me. And there's about five does standing in that field, just looking at me, walking down to that blind. Right. So I kind of had to. I snuck through the woods and crawled down there and worked my way to that blind real slow. And I ended up not spooking them, thank goodness, because probably. Oh, 20 minutes after, you know, good daylight, those does come filtering in front of me. And uh, I watched them for probably 15 or 20 minutes. And then I happened to look up down on the west side of that CRP, and I saw him step out of the timber down there. And he was just, the wind was out of the north that day, and he was running just that south side of that thick stuff, like he was just looking for does, you know. Yeah. And he ran all the way down that fence line. 
right past. He was probably 100 yards from me where that fence line's at. And run, just blew right through there. And I thought, well, hell, I'm never going to see him again, you know. Right. But you identified it was that this, it was the 11 pointer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that side was that split two was on my, I could see him through my binoculars pretty good. He was kind of trotting, you know, how far away was he at this point? hundred, hundred and a quarter probably. Okay. And he just blew through there on a straight line. Did you try to stop him at all? Like, no, I, man, I'm kind of gun shy on that. I tried, I had a really nice deer probably four years ago that I, I grunted at, and I don't know, I, hell, I may have gotten nervous and blew on the wrong end of the call or something, there ain't no telling, but it, he, uh, he shagged, you know, so ever since then, I just try to be as invisible as possible. Gotcha. And, uh, so it didn't even want to try anyway, to turn him around. What, what was the date at this point? Uh, November 20th. Okay, November 20th, okay. Yes, sir. So then, so then he, he's running by, uh, you didn't try to stop him. You thought he was gone forever. Then what happens? Uh, it was about 15 minutes. I was sitting there still watching those does. They were out there just trickling around in that field. And he, I guess he just made a big circle once he went through there. And he come back right through the middle of that saddle where I, where I was, you know, in my blind. to started bumping those does around. And uh, he messed around with them for probably... Uh, it was two or three minutes, but it seemed like 30 minutes. You know, I was swallowing my heart. And uh, he ended up stopping about 17 yards in front of me, and I got a shot off. So this was just all-natural movement. That blow, that's, that's awesome that he – you see him trot by, don't try to stop him, and just like pure luck – he comes yeah. through. Is this is this stand like a pinch point or is it a travel corridor type of stand? Well, it's all in that saddle. It's kind of a saddle, and yeah. it, it it kind of crams them down in the, about a hundred yard area where they come through there. And um, I, I almost think he he blew through there. And then remember the one I said the does were standing in that field when I was walking in. I think he he hit that field and maybe caught a scent of them, and then doubled back to come check them. Okay. Okay, so he, he it's almost like and I've seen bucks do this before where they they'll go and scent check a doe chaser because that maybe they got some scent in the air. She's not the one and then he comes back to try to get the other does to scent check them as well. Yes, that that's almost I mean, uh, almost guaranteed that's what he was doing. Okay. So 17 yards and he stops and you let the arrow go. Did you did you drill him? Was it a good shot? Believe it or not, I did. I I, I have a. I'm not the best archer. I mean, I practice a lot, but I, my vision out of my right eye is not great. So I I try to stay under 25 yards, and I, I actually I just pinwheeled him. I was so happy. Awesome. So how how far did he run? Did you watch him expire in sight? Oh yeah, he almost made it to the other side of that CRP, and he piled up. Gotcha. Double long shot. Yes, sir. Nice, nice. So easy yeah. recovery. Yes, yes, very okay. much. So. so when you walk over to him, this is my favorite question to ask uh, hunters of any kind when they harvest a really good buck. And you you walk up to him, you lay hands on him for the very first time. What kind, what were you thinking at that point? Oh, man, I, I was thrilled because that's the biggest buck I've ever killed. Right. And 
And to be honest with you, it may sound silly, but I was a little bit sad because I mean, I know that sounds make me sound like a a puss, but it was I'd been so obsessed with him or wanting to get a crack at him for so long, right. and then once it was over, it was almost like the game was over a little bit. Right. You know. Right. I mean, but you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was thrilled. I still am to have had it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been. I haven't been on the side where you watch a buck for X number of years, you have encounters with him as a two-year-old, three-year-old, whatever, then he becomes a shooter. And I've had the experience where all those things happened and then somebody else shot him. So I didn't oh, get yeah. I didn't get the full experience like what you got, but I was, you know, I've been sad when I found out deer have died that you've had so much, you know, you, you have a bit of a connection with. Right. 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 Well, it's just like, you know, even though which it, it makes it sound silly because, you know, you've got him and I'll have that memory forever. But then he's not going to be there next year. You know what I mean? That's, that's just a little bit of the, that sad part. But, I mean, besides that, I, I went to call my buddies. I was thrilled, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So um, biggest buck of your life. Uh, was your season over at that point then? It was because I had taken that nine in late October. Okay. All right. So you you took that nine, um, and then you uh, a, a really good deer. What did that nine score? You said like one thirty nine, one forty. Yeah, he was in the the high one thirties. Gotcha. I would say he was really really wide, but he didn't have a whole lot of time length. Yeah, but I'm he surprised was just so that... wide, man. When I saw him, he got me. He got me fired up. Dude, I'm surprised that buck scores that low. I the wide one. Well, the uh, oh yeah, that's right. You sent me two pictures, right? Uh, the wide yeah. one. Okay, the last. One. Oh yeah, he's really wide. Not much for time length, but yeah, he's really right. wide. Okay, that that's the one you shot. Okay, um, that was the late October buck, and then the other one was the November twentieth. Okay, so the big boy was November twentieth. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you're tagged out at this point, and then what happens? The the big eight shows up after you're tagged out? Uh, that was a year before. That oh, was okay. last year. Okay, that was yeah, last year. I was on a doe hunt the day after I had tagged out, and he come, that's the first time I'd seen him in the daylight. He walks in front of me at 17 yards. So last year, or uh, 2017, you tag out on – on a buck and mm-hmm. now you're you're 100 tagged out you, you don't have another tag in your pocket and this gigantic eight walks by at seven nine o'clock in the morning Jeez. 17 yards i tell you what man right then and there is uh is an ethics check for people because mm-hmm. there are a lot of guys who you know it's just like oh my god you have it's it's a natural thought right you're like oh my god right could i get away with it no i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it right it's just like you you're you visualize it in your head you don't take action but it's just oh my god and this is definitely a natural thought i just you know for anybody that's got any character the the next thought that comes through your mind is i could never be proud of him or enjoy him because i'd always know that that's a fact that's a fact. So this giant eight walks by and you just kind of observe him. Did that encounter tell you anything? Um, no, I mean, 
just as far as what day that he's – because that was the second year in a row he had kind of started showing himself in daylight around that time of year, you know, from the 20th to the 24th probably. I think that every year that's when I have a daylight picture of him. I usually get one daylight pic a year, or that year I saw him. I was down there when he came through. Okay. All right. And besides that, I mean, nothing that I didn't already kind of – which I don't have him figured out too much, obviously, or I'd have him on my wall. but Right. Nothing. Well, but he, he came through in 2017, and he came through in 2018, right? Yes. All right. Yes. I, so, I just got trail cam pictures, though, in 18. I never did lay eyes on him. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you, you got a good encounter with him. Do you? What's your gut say? Is he going to be back for the 2019 season? I think so. As long as he hasn't got hit by a car or, or something happened Coached to him, I would assume like he would be. Mm-hmm. He's a mature buck. What do you think his age is? Oh, man, if I was a guess, I'd say he's in the five to seven range. I know that's kind yeah. of a broad range, but I'd, he was already pretty big when I first got pictures of him, so it's hard to right. tell. His neck goes all the way down to his brisket. His, yeah, his hips are sunk in, back. defined shoulders. Oh. Like he's, a, yep. he's an old – he's, he's a definitely like – six i would say six yeah. maybe a seven year old and that, and that picture i sent to you was in late november so he was ran down you know yeah. probably a month before he probably lost 30 pounds you know yeah so he's got a big body on him too yes all yeah. right so knowing what you know about your property is this a is this the kind of year where you you just came off of a really good year right you shot two bucks um one mm-hmm is damn near booner and the other one is just a really cool wide eight pointer is is this the is this the year that you you really hold out for a giant hopefully this buck if he uh, shows back up i'm almost to the point where it's that big eight or i'm gonna eat my tags this year right even knowing that you have two tags to to burn right i mean it, don't get me wrong if a four you know a nice four good mature deer comes through there you know, I hate to say, you know how it is, man. You get a heart, anything that gets me excited. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to have any shame about taking it. Yep. But the the goal is definitely to try to get that big boy. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. Uh, and gut feeling, do you think he's alive? I, know. I, I sure think so. Cause you I, think so? Okay. For the most part, you know, I'm friends with all my neighbors on Facebook, and when they find one or, or, or you know, something happens i find out about it with those deer yeah well that's awesome man hopefully maybe uh, it's just wishful thinking but right are you going to do anything different for this year knowing that it's going to be a you know a a big eight or bust type type of year yeah the only thing i think you know i've gotten i've hunted on this place for so long i've kind of got to where it's hard to almost to switch up because I've got to where I've had pretty consistent success the last three or four years. Yeah. But I think the one thing I am going to do is keep a mobile set up in case I do get some pictures of him kind of out of the normal that I can go set up on him if I, if I need to. Right. So you're going to have all these tree stands available, like pre-hung, but you're going to have a mobile set ready. So when he pops up, you're going after him. Absolutely. Yes. Gotcha. If I need to, to get after him. I can. Yeah man how long do these deer typically stick around on this on this property uh is it the entire like uh, like 30 35 days and then they disappear or are they They there hold them all the way 
field. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Dan. You're good. I apologize. You're good. You're good. Um, once they get here, it usually holds them till spring when it greens up, and then oh, they'll go okay. back down and start hitting that ag again. Gotcha. Okay, so you got a chance, right? If you don't, if you don't get them during the the archery season, there's always a chance you can get them during the gun season. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool, man. Well, man, I'm which pulling. I bow hunt during the gun season, but uh, there's definitely a chance I can still get a hold of him. Gotcha. That's which awesome. I have been thinking about actually gun hunting this year. My uh, oh, my stepdad passed away a couple years ago, and he had given me a rifle, so I'm thinking about actually rifle hunting this year and trying to get one with it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, this is the this is the caliber of an eight pointer, and I'm just looking at the pictures you sent me. <laughs> Like you change the deer, deer don't get this big, right? I mean, it, I'll be honest. The picture looks photoshopped. I know it's not, but right. it, it just, it's a very big eight pointer. <laughs> like he's big. Yeah. I, I, and I was, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because you know, I, you never know what other people think. I thought he was a giant. That's glad to hear somebody else think. So oh too. yeah. I mean, his G twos are, over 12 inches if i had to guess i would yeah yes sir i mean that's that's a that's a long that's long times man and the i G- wish i would have sent you you know how they look bigger when they're going away all the time i've right. got a picture from the back man they just look like <laughs> they almost look like baseball <laughs> i bet you uh, i bet you the day uh the day he was at uh 17 yards he looked 200 Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was about to shit all over myself, and I couldn't even shoot it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Hey, Ben. Man, I really appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast, and let me be the first to wish you good luck. And when you kill this eight-pointer, I want you to let me know, and then I want you to come back on the podcast. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You have a good season, Dan. I appreciate you. And that brings us to the end of another Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Huge shout out to Ben for hopping on, chatting with us today. Huge shout out, as always, to you guys, uh, the people who are downloading and listening to this podcast and sharing it and being part of this community. Um, you guys are what makes this whole wheel go round. So I really appreciate you. Uh, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast Vortex Optics, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Ripcord Arrow Rest. Wasp Broadheads, Ozonic Scent Elimination, and Prime Archery, man. Uh, please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast. And, you know, you get it. That's This is how it all works. And other than that, uh, I'm jacked. I'm freaking jacked for this season now um, for several reasons. But elks, my elk hunt is just around the corner. I got to be less fat. I got to shoot my bow more. And uh, I don't know. It's that time of year, man. Hopefully everybody is getting prepared for this upcoming season. Hopefully everyone is as jacked as I am. And if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Amen. Amen.